The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Friday, August 21st. Put your seatbelts on, strap in, because we got Becky Roman. Get ready for some Beckyisms, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a barn burner. <laughs> if those of you who are watching this, look at those lenses, look at those glasses, look at those frames if you can see Becky. This one is going to break the mold. We have on Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, July, Friday, August 21st. I'm going to say July. It's August 21st. The Becky Roman and the Beckyisms. Paul, we got a good one coming. Oh, Neil, I, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm excited. Stoked's the US phrase, right? So I'm going to use that. I'm super stoked. I'm, I'm just want to get this on. I can't wait. I, I feel like I'm just going to be in the background, which I love. So I'll let you guys go for it. <laughs> Becky, give a shout out to the audience. Let them hear you for a quick second. Hello. Good morning. We got Becky. So those of you that don't know Becky, this is a hard one to do because there's there's a lot going on here in this LinkedIn profile and in her social media profile. LinkedIn profile says that Becky is the manager, comma, CX solutions and consulting at Avtech Solutions. And in addition to that, she is an advisory board member at CX Accelerator. And we certainly have lots of degrees of separation to other members of the CX Accelerator community. Becky, welcome to the program. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Tell the audience a little bit about you. Oh, it's a tough one. We were just talking about this. I don't know, kind of boring. Um, I, so I live in Minneapolis. I, as you said, I work for Avtex. I um, manage the customer experience um, solution portfolio, and um, I work for the consulting division. So I essentially get to go out and help companies solve all of their customer experience issues, woes, um, strategy needs, and it's just such a fun gig. Um, about about me, I I uh, love living in Minneapolis. I love the lakes. I love being out on the water. I love being outside. I'm an avid boxer, and um, I'm a runner, and I, I just enjoy being active. And that's, you know, with COVID, that's really all I do in my spare time. I live alone, so <laughs> I work out and I nerd out. So let's get <laughs> active. It. Let's get active. Let's get fit. Let's get right into some really cool discussions because I want to take advantage of our time together with you. You're a busy person and uh, there's so many things that we can talk about. Uh, you and I have shared a, a an ICMI webinar in the past. Uh, you are active on Twitter. Uh, you're fairly active on LinkedIn. You're a great content generator. And of all the things that we could possibly talk about, there's one I want to push your button on. I want to yeah. talk today about employee experience. Because I've seen a lot going on in the Twitterverse, uh, on social media, on LinkedIn. Everyone's talking about the importance of employee experience as a subset and a driver to successful customer experience. We all know what the theory says. Treat the employees well. They're going to perform great customer experience. Can we dissect that one a little bit? Is there some truth to that? Do you actually believe in that same theory that uh, – that CX can only be as good as EX? I do, but you said something, treating the employee well. What does that mean and how do we measure it, right? And I think everybody has a different flavor of this. And in my opinion, most companies' flavor is, is wrong. 
they're, they think that all of the wrong factors equate to a good employee experience. And employee experience to me is a lot more around um, all of the programs we have in place that enable an agent or an employee to do their job, to do it well, and to live a balanced life. It is not about the, the candy, the free candy bars on Friday or um, the, you know, posters on the wall. That is very minor stuff that does not equate to employee experience. That's a little bit of an environmental factor, sure. But employee experience is really important. But I think we often talk about it in the wrong context. We talk about it about all these little fluffy things that we can do that are on the cheap that maybe um, drive an employee to be happy for a millisecond. But what about long term? You mean to say that the pizza party isn't making the employee happy? We're satiating their hunger. We're giving them their calories for the day. We're giving them some energy. They like the taste of pizza. Come on. We gave you your pizza. Now go out and serve those customers. Break records for CSAT and NPS and all those things. It doesn't work like that? I don't think so. Come on. I, I, I strongly don't think so. I also think that um, it can come across as a little bit demeaning, actually, right? You are, you are having me do this really tough job. And you're paying me not enough most often. But then you're going to try to kind of like pacify me with these things that don't actually matter to me, right? And you're still going to have me go out and do um, this tough job and have to kind of be the face of all of the customer complaints, all the customer issues, everything. All of these inquiries come to my, my plate. I'm handling them. You're not, you're probably not paying me as well as I want to be paid. And then you're going to, you know, give me a bag of chips and, and you want me to stay around, right? It doesn't make sense. We, we need to be figuring out how employee experience translates into tenure, how we, how we can lower attrition, which is where a lot of organizations are not adequately measuring the true cost of attrition, the true cost of turnover. And if we were, if we were paying attention to that, I think we would see a, a very severe shift in how we treat contact center employees because we would then have a dollar to every time they walk out the door and we would say, we have to figure out how to get them higher value work and how to keep them around. So you, you led right into what I wanted to ask you about metrics. A lot of, lots of us love metrics, right? We want yeah, to you're a metrics guy. I'm a metrics guy. I love the I love the metrics because ultimately it gives you a, 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 an idea of where basically you stand. And certainly statistics are like lampposts. You can lean on them. You can use them for support in any direction you want. They certainly can be twisted. But come on, C-suite needs metrics. Do you have a version of what employee engagement or employee experience metrics we should use? So you certainly talked about attrition. Are there others that are important that, that companies should be utilizing instead of, you know, the traditional stuff of how many pizzas I gave and how much I spent in incentives and things like that? Yeah, I, I think it's not always going to be one size fits all, but it has to be, we cannot just have one metric, right? Um, attrition or measuring the, the length of tenure maybe doesn't tell the whole story, but we also have to measure in their own words and, and have them, we have to have some sort of VOE, voice of voice of employee mechanism, understanding how happy they are with the work, what kind of value. One of the metrics I really like is equating um, what kind of um, perception the agents have around the value they're providing to the organization. And a lot of times we see this correlation between if they feel they are providing high value, their tenure will be higher. If they think they're doing low value work, 
they're not, they're not seeing the value in the job. They're not going to stick around because they think that they're just doing menial tasks all day long. Right. But if it's high value work, they feel like what they're doing is important. They feel like what they're doing is connected back to the business objectives and the organizational vision. Then they feel connected to the organization. There's this level of trust, this level of I'm doing something that matters for my organization. This makes me think back to Jeff Toyster. Jeff Toyster, if you're listening to this, we're going to tag you on it. But this goes back to Toyster's notion of you've got to always define things. (laughs) I always got to define things and set a vision and part of the vision is the why why does why are we doing this why is that as an organization do we need these things why do you as individual employees need to contribute to this is that correct yeah absolutely i think that um you know just like in everyday life right as humans we crave being connected to each other and feeling like what we're doing and what we're saying and who we're with matters that that translates absolutely 100% into the workplace. People want to do things that matter. People want their time. We spend so many hours a day, a week, in our lifetime at work. They want what they're doing to matter. They want where their time is invested to matter. And feeling that connection back to the actual value and vision that the organization is promising to their customers, that is crucial. And especially, you know, Neil, you and I have often talked in the past about automation, right? How, and I think that this is a good place to talk about where technology impacts employee experience. If we want to um, keep our employees around, we can look at ways where our lower value work can be automated, where we can do RDA, RPA type stuff. And then our employees, again, we are starting to build this um, foundation for our employees to be doing higher value work that is going to be um, more more satisfying to them. It's going to keep them around longer. It's going to allow us to pay them more, right? Because we're going to be able to say these, these are now, now this contact center is working in this high value, crucial work. I think all contact center work is high value and crucial, but there's definitely these areas, right, where it's low value work. It's, it's, um, it is just inquiries that could be taken care of by automation. Did you just explain a fit matrix to us? <laughs> You're dropping in the terminology a fit matrix. Not exactly, not exactly, but we could do a fit matrix on automation for an organization. Got it. So fit matrix is a Beckyism. Uh, prior to uh, hitting the record button on this, she was explaining a bunch of different stuff. We talked about fit matrix, and I thought it was a really catchy phrase. And I think she probably invented it. She's the creator of that one. But fit matrix, right? There, there is fit in the organization for uh, automation. There is fit, of course, for live agents. And I think you talk about, and we need to talk about that environment, that ecosystem. What is what is contextual? Where is the right thing to plug? What, what are the right environments to plug each of those into, right? So that mm-hmm. the employee feels valued and they're not doing the stupid, monotonous, boring tasks that lead eventually to attrition. Well, and it's not just, it doesn't even have to be task, uh, or excuse me, process or workflow based, like you said, task based. How many, how hard are we making it to do some of these, these processes and go through the workflow? Are we making it as easy as possible so that, again, they're focusing on the high value work and they're not clicking 55 times to complete one task? Or are we, you know, putting all bets off and and just having our agent's desktop be completely archaic and not make sense and really make it difficult for them to do their job? 
Again, if we're asking them to be doing high value work, we want them to be focusing on the customer, the person that they're helping. How, how can they do that if they're wrestling with the tools that we're giving them? So Paul and I both oversee live agent teams or prim primarily live agent teams. Where do we even start with this? What would you tell, you know, in your consulting role that you, uh, you know, every day are dealing with companies that probably have similar challenges to, to, to mine and to Paul's. We have large groups of humans that are highly imperfect. They're doing complex tasks uh, in multi-channel or omni-channel environments. Where in the world would we start with kind of deconstructing this whole matrix and making it a true, appropriately fit matrix and sort of change the, or subvert the dominant paradigm? Where do we start with this thing? Are, and are we looking at this in the context of technology that impacts the employee experience? I mean, I think that's certainly part of it, but, but kind of just from, from the, from the get-go, the basic problem that live agent shops have is making sure that people show up to work Yeah. when they show up, making sure that they perform. Accountability, productivity. Yeah. I mean, Paul, right? Don't, isn't it part of what yeah. you battle every day? A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. It is about productivity. It's about getting agents in. And I think the point that Becky made there, accountability, that's also a key point, right? And sometimes that's the bit that gets forgotten about when you look from a frontline front line agent perspective, right? That accountability that when I call in as a customer and I speak to Be Becky as an agent, ultimately it's Becky's accountability to make sure that my resolution or my query is resolved, right? And sometimes we miss that in, in the whole scheme of things, right? That's in my opinion. Right. And how do we measure those? We can measure that by exactly. first contact resolution. Um, and that's not a one size fits all on how we measure that. But we, we can use metrics like that to drive, again, accountability for are we helping our customers um, in the manner of which they want to be helped and getting their issue resolved in the first time. It's certainly not single lens thinking, is it, Becky? It is not. It is not. We cannot have single lens thinking in, in customer experience. Touche. Good use of a, another Beckyism. Single lens thinking. Um, <laughs> Becky, are these things that you actually interact and deal with in your day-to-day -day work life? Do companies these are these things that keep companies up at night? Do they come to you as a strategic Absolutely. consultant and say, "How do I fix my agent attrition problem? How do I keep my employees motivated?" Absolutely. I think that employee experience, even if um, a contact center leader is not paying attention to employee experience, the issues they will come to me with or the questions they will come to me with always at some point point to I have an employee experience problem or concern. Right. A lot of times we can do the best with what we have and um, you know, there's still going to be things that are outside of our control. Some of those, though, now, especially um, in the wake of this past year, are, are becoming more and more and more, um, I would say, removed as excuses. And I am going to say excuses like um, I don't have I only have a certain pool of talent because of my geogra geographic constraints, things like that. Um, and we can start to remove some of these barriers to success. And then we can actually focus on the employee experience. What are we doing to drive our employees to do their jobs, to do their jobs well, to show up and again, be accountable and be productive. 
And when we're removing these excuses, these typical excuses that contact centers often come up with, then at the end of the day, we're just in, we, we can focus on driving business value out of the contact center. Let's have a little fun with Becky on this following question. Rapid fire. Okay, I'm ready. Hold on, let me get my glasses straight. <laughs> In-house in or outsource? In-house. On I know. I know on shore, near shore, offshore. Say that again. Onshore, near shore, offshore. I like onshore or near shore. I can, we can we can wrestle it out. Gaining some points here. Uh, last of the rapid fire would be automation or live agent. Um, there it, that's that's not a that's not an or question. That's an and question. I'm going to say both. We need live agent and automation. They should be they should be in a marriage. Ooh, that's a good one. Deep. Becky Roman going deep. Love it. <laughs> As we start to wind down here, Becky, this is where we shift into the kind of final third of the podcast here. We have our uh, section of questions that we'd like to ask each of our guests. Uh, we've already kind of talked about myth busters. You've, you've definitely busted some myths, but are there any other myth, myths, general CX myths that you would like to bust? Take an ax to it, break something apart, shatter it, curse at it, spit at it, box yeah. it out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the myth buster question and, and you guys asked me about customer experience quotes. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that most people are going to be like, yeah, that's not true. But in customer experience, the rules are there are no rules. Everybody wants to tie a pretty little bow around what a contact center should look like, around what customer experience should look like. And sure, there are absolutely best practices. But at the end of the day, the rules are what our customers want us to do and what um, value and um, customer experience we want to give to our customers. So the rules are the rules and these arbitrary things that sometimes we talk about in the industry, we have to look at them and say, do these make sense for our organization? Does that ping pong table actually matter? No, probably not. Like, you know, but, and so instead of like trying to wrap your arms around everything that somebody says is a best practice, how about we say, we're gonna create our own rules that make sense for our organization and that aligns the promises we've made to our customers. Paul, how do you possibly follow up with that? Uh, Becky just destroyed I, that one, right? I, I'm not. I'm going to leave this podcast now. I've got nothing to say. I think there are no CX rules. There are no, what is it? There are no pretty CX bows. It can't be wrapped up in a nice pretty package with a nice bow. Right? Yeah, and that's something, you know, that's something that I think and we, you know, we talked about that this is something that I said before we turned the recording on is I don't like single lens thinking, right? And this is that, and, and single lens thinking is that we can put everything into some sort of box. And I don't, I don't like being put in a box. I don't wanna be put in a box. And most organizations shouldn't put themselves in a box, right? We need to think about how can we be creative and make the contact center work for the organization, drive value for the organization, but also work for the customer. Right. That's what that's why we are investing in contact center is to drive customer experiences. So we have to start thinking about about it more creatively instead of, you know, there's this set of rules and this set of procedures that need to happen in a contact center in order to make it work and start thinking about 
reverse engineering it and here's what we're working towards. How do we get there as an organization and in a manner that makes sense for us? Love it. By the way, Paul, Becky just, I think for the first time, combined this Mythbuster and the CX quote. We never, never had done that before. before. It's never been yeah. done before. Yeah. It's breaking new ground, right? Breaking new ground. Punching stuff in the face. I love it. This is, this is great. Becky, final question for you. Who are your CX heroes? So right now, well, I have so many, but Andrew Gilliam, my great, great friend. I love him so much. He always drives me to think um, outside. As I said, don't, I don't like being put in a box. And he's one of those people that always helps me deconstruct those boxes and pushes my thinking. So I love that. And then the other one is Jenny Dempsey. I love her approach on um, wellness in the workplace and making sure that as we're humans at the end of the day, like you said, we are imperfect humans. And how do we make sure that we are approaching our work, approaching contact center and customer experience um, at, with those human elements in mind? We all need to keep a sound mind and body in order to show up every day and be our best selves. And Jenny just um, runs point on that topic so perfectly. These are two great names. I, I know both of them. Uh, Andy Gilliam, we're coming at you. Not only are you going to be a guest on this podcast, but you and I got a very friendly debate and duel coming up. Uh, we know what that one's that one's going to be about. Andy says, in the contact center, you must work on process redesign. And I say, bullshit. You got to just got to work on automating things and dropping costs and making things more efficient. And we've had a well, great dialogue about it. How do you automate a process document? <laughs> well, huh? stay tuned. Are stay tuned. The, I, I want to propose a Beckyism with the fact that we're talking about breaking new ground. I suggest that we get Andrew and Becky on the same podcast in the future and, and choose a topic and just let them go at, go at it. You're going to yeah. need more than 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. over a cocktail hour. I love it. I love it. We're, we're going to promise we're going to make that one definitely happen. Love it. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, before we wrap up, just to mention something about, about uh, Coach Jenny Dempsey. I called Jenny Dempsey Coach because of her she is a health coach. I think she's a certified health coach. Uh, I've, I've spoken to her uh, numerous times about wellness in the context and her, love her work. I think it's groundbreaking. Everyone talks about wellness. Everyone talks about yoga and, and breathing and all this stuff, but no one has talked about the importance of wellness in the contact center. Mm -hmm. That is truly a, something in employee experience and employee engagement and employee satisfaction that is important. Make sure those and people are healthy. Talk, there's no other job on the planet truly, um, where you are consistently being hit with oftentimes complaints, um, frustrated customers, low sentiment, um, you know, interactions, it, it can wear you down. It can wear you down. It can wear you down. Definitely. By the way, I don't think we mentioned it. Today's a special day for Jenny Dempsey. Oh yes. Happy birthday, Jenny. Happy birthday, Jenny. Happy birthday, Jenny. Happy birthday, Coach Jenny Dempsey. You are a CX Hero of the Week uh, for Becky Roman. And Andy, of course, you are also CX Hero for, for, for the Week. Becky Roman, I don't know how we conclude this thing other than that you got to come back on. Make sure you come back and visit us. We will definitely have you together with Andy. Um, and I love breaking down these myths. Ladies and gentlemen, follow Becky. Get into the proverbial CX ring with her, box with her, spar with her. It's worth it. You may come out a little bruised, but you're going to think. You're going to think. When you get knocked down with a concept or an idea that she's going to challenge you on, you're going to get up and think, wait a minute, I just learned something new. I hadn't thought about that before. Agreed. All in the spirit of, of learning and growing. Awesome. This is a great session. Becky, thank you for joining us. This is 
Fireside Chats Without the Fires, concluding for Friday, August 21st. Again, Becky Roman, guest extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, send us feedback, follow us, like us, and definitely like this podcast with Becky Roman. Thank you. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Cathro. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.